The Gadget Guide on Cambridge 105 Radio with the Centre for Computing History, Cambridge. Making the history of computing fun for everyone. Visit computinghistory.org.uk to find out more. Thanks very much to Lucy Malazzo for the last couple of hours there. She goes floating off into the distance. Welcome to The Gadget Guide. Yeah, welcome to Gadget Guide show number 256 with a look at the latest tech news and then we'll see where GoPro and other action cameras have progressed to in the last four years or so. Uh, but first, it's time to take a look at some of this week's technology news. Uh, we'll start off in the world of AI or machine learning or that sort of thing. and Computer-generated an stuff. Yeah, it's an interesting ruling coming out of the US. Um, that says that AI-generated art, so this is things like stable diffusion and uh, those sorts of services where you say, hey, give me a picture of something in the style of something or another. So it's like, you know, g give me a, a picture of a kitten in the style of the Mona Lisa. Um, and it will do that. And the question is, who owns the copyright for that? Um, you know, if it, clearly, if you paint a picture, then you're, you're the artist, you own the copyright. Um, similarly, if you draw a picture on a computer, then then the same is true. Um, well, what about AI-generated art? And the, the US court so far has said that the art generated by AI can't be copyrighted. That's very interesting. So they basically have said that copyright requires a human authorship to actually be the foundation of copyright. So things that aren't human can't claim copyright. And, of course, the interesting uh, famous case uh, that, that started this was the monkey selfie where a photographer's camera was grabbed by a crested macaque uh, that took a photo and he claimed copyright on it and the judge went, actually, no. <laughs> and, and this a non-human created it. There is no copyright. A little tangent here, but I, you may have spotted the recent Tom Scott video um, on on YouTube where he was doing a video about bears and feeding bears and bear-proof containers and stuff like that. And one of the the final, it was done as a follow-up, uh, bits to that was that a bear had grabbed one of his GoPros at some point, um, see it is topical, um, and activated the shutter button and taken a selfie of itself. And, and his point was, yeah, I don't own copyright. I've had, I didn't set up the shot. I didn't have any control of the shot. I didn't plan it. I didn't enable it. The bear did it. And therefore, yep. that's not copyright. It's public domain. I'd appreciate just, it just like, credited, but yeah. yeah. And just like GoPro can't claim copyright on the photo you took using one of their cameras. Yeah, yeah so same deal applies. Um, now, of course, the, the interesting question is going to be for the, coming back to the AI side of things, you can't copyright the, the image, but can you copyright the prompt used to generate it? And this is where uh, people coming up with the, the really good AI and different AI generated images, there's a lot of work that goes into picking just the right prompt to come up with the image that you as a... Yes, I, I want a, I, I, I I want a blue word, kitten uh, in the style of the Mona Lisa perched on top of the Eiffel Tower on a sunny summer. All of that detail with going into... With a slightly fuzzy into, background, yeah. All of that detail going into the description. I think you probably find that you've got to be quite specific on that. And also the challenge is if you issue that same prompt to a machine learning system more than once, will you get the same, the same thing? Output? Yep. And then... If you submit it to version two of that machine learning system when the next version comes out, which will happen, 
do you get the same art? So it, it's very difficult. Of course, the, the interesting thing that's going to come out of this is uh, a lot of the Hollywood uh, writer's strike at the moment is around machine learning and computer-generated text. Yes. And I think if the courts rule that if it's a computer-generated TV program script... It can't be copyright. I think a lot of the studios will back down on the whole machine learning AI generation of scripts because they'll go, whoops, suddenly I, our latest edition is actually effectively open domain and not copyrightable. And I, I guess the on the, the sort of similar side to that is if you, and we've already seen this been true for some years, um, where actors have passed away and there's a need for their role to be reprised, um, if if AI is used to generate something that looks like a human who did or does exist, who owns the copyright to that? Um, you know, if, if it's done in the traditional way where it is a computer graphics, you know, virtual reality thing created entirely, you know, by humans giving machines in, in instructions, then that's, that's pretty established that, that the copyright is held. Um, but what happens when it's a, actually a prompt to an to an ai system I, I think there's a lot of a lot of stuff still to be uh, hashed out and I, I suspect these battles are going to go on for some time <laughs> yes of course the most recent probably the most recent recognizable one in that respect was carrie fisher uh, getting reprised as uh, princess leia after she passed away yeah, and and there was who was there? There was another Star Wars character who I've I've now forgotten. Um, but uh, <laughs> yes. they've that, I, I know who you that mean, universe yes. has done it a, a few times. Um, I'm going to no doubt get emails for failing to to know my Star Wars knowledge now. Um, so let's move swiftly onwards to uh, to Winrar, um, and and this is a uh, a file compression utility. Uh, used to be very popular. Probably I think it's still a quite popular. Bit, yeah, it's it a little bit less nowadays. Um, but nonetheless, if you do use WinRAR, uh, you probably want to update to version 6.23 because uh, versions older than that, uh, if somebody can convince you to open an infected zip file, they can basically take over your computer. So if you do use WinRAR, um, make sure you're on the latest version. If you don't know what we're talking about, that probably means you can ignore all of this and you're all good <laughs> absolutely but yes WinRAR apparently used by over 500 million users around the world um certainly use it in the day job and uh, and three of them have paid uh, the money uh we paid yeah, absolutely we paid for a decent amount of licenses actually good, we're, good. we're properly I'm, legitimate on that one i'm glad to hear that <laughs> Uh, yes, it, it is. It isn't free software, uh, which is possibly why less people use it. They have an, a special offer on at the moment for anyone buying it for about twenty-three euros. Yeah, for life. Seems, for life. Yes, so very, very fair amount of money for, uh, for for a useful bit of software if you if you need that sort of thing. Uh, heading on to Tesla now and the Tesla iPhone app um, can now control your car through Siri. So. If, if, yes. <laughs> if you didn't so. think it was strange enough um, using your mobile phone to drive your car out of a parking space, you can now shout at your mobile phone to drive a car out of a parking space. Hey, Siri, lock my Tesla. I, that, I don't think that that one's going to be the controversial one. It's the, um, <laughs> can, can, it, uh, can it actually move the car? I'm, I'm not sure that that... Um, doesn't uh, necessarily exist yet, but yeah, you can certainly uh, liven up the pub table conversations if uh, uh, 
uh, if you can drive someone else's car by uh, just <laughs> shouting at their phone. Yes, or, hey, Siri, activate the panic mode on my Tesla. Um, <laughs> and everyone's Tesla in the car park starts flashing its lights, hooting its hooter, uh, closing its windows, and um, basically exciting everyone. Yeah, um, so watch uh, watch this space on that. No, uh, no news on the equivalent for Android users uh, just yet. Um, I suspect that that's probably going to be uh, coming soon. Wouldn't be surprised. Uh, I'm guessing the uh, the uptake of users from the Android camp is probably about 50-50 versus iPhone on Tesla owners. Uh, sticking with Android, though, and Google have decided to let you transfer eSIMs between Android phones actually using a QR code. And this is an interesting one because so eSIMs are an electronic version of a SIM card. So if you're used to those uh, little thing, well, they started off as credit card size and then got progressively smaller till they, they're basically just the size of the chip in a, a chip and pin card now. Um, so if you're used to putting one of those in your phone uh, to you know, move your, your mobile phone number and everything like that along with it, uh, when you change your phone, there is eSIMs, which is just the electronic version of that. They've been around for a few years now, but not hugely popular if you buy your own phone outright. Most people tend to, to just move a, uh, a physical SIM card along, but certainly an increasing number of phones supporting eSIM. Um, Google's Pixel devices certainly support one physical SIM Sa plus one eSIM. Samsung's Galaxy devices as well, um, yep. supporting... Well, both. Of course, this yeah, this always made a slightly painful experience. If you got a new phone, um, then you needed to get in touch with your uh, your network operator to then provision you a new eSIM for the new device. Um, no longer, apparently, you can uh, or will be able to um, to transfer them entirely in software, which is quite cool because apparently uh, most network operators are a little bit rubbish at providing those transfers, and this is globally. Um, it has been reported they're as bad in the US as they are in the UK at actually doing those transfers, even though you're staying with them and it is transferring. Um, I guess it's just a case of they, they've got used to that idea of sending you a physical thing in the post and the whole idea of eSIMs is, is still fairly fresh and new to them. Um, I still need to check with my operator as to whether I can change from a physical SIM to an eSIM. You know, what's the process on that? That might be, it might take an entire gadget guide at some point on explaining how difficult it is. I, it, it'll be an interesting one. Uh, I was hoping, but it doesn't look like it's going to be true uh, looking at the screenshots from 9to5Google. Uh, uh, um, I was hoping that there might be a way of backing up your eSIM because Ooh. I've just, in the last couple of days, had the delight of... Uh, Modifying uh, your phone irreparably? Yeah, yeah. My, my phone had a close encounter with the concrete kind um, and uh, were, the screen was utterly destroyed. And I got a new phone, uh, got that delivered today but of course it means i can't do any of the account transfer type stuff that <gasps> says and now push this button on your old phone ah because my old phone have is obliterated you? so your usb port working on it still it is unfortunately Ca yes if i plug in the usb cable the uh, the first thing that would do would be to pop up a message saying do you want to enable usb debugging uh, and I can't click that message. Even if you plug a hub in with a screen and a keyboard and mouse? Yes. Unfortunately, my old phone did not support the uh, screen over USB. Damnation. Um, <laughs> yes. So, but, but you know, this, this yeah. is 
one of the slight challenges with things like eSIMs is, okay, when you unexpectedly lose a device, um, how do you get that onto your uh, onto your new phone? I so, guess you have to get hold of your network operator and say, I need to move my eSIM to a new phone, and they will yes. provide the necessaries. It's it, normally indeed. an activation code that you, you enter in on the phone to do it. Yep. So uh, watch this space. eSIM transfers, at least for planned upgrades, um, hopefully going to get a little bit easier on Android possibly the same sort of thing coming to iPhone as well in the future. Uh, apparently, they don't even need an I, a QR code. It does it, it actually, they've thought about doing it and it does it through the iCloud type thing. So as long as you sign in with your Apple ID. If, you if you're your going e-sum. from one iPhone to another, yes. Yes, from if iPhone the, to not iPhone, probably a little bit talk to your operator. <laughs> yeah. Um, moving on to the world of gaming now. And uh, the voice of Mario... Oh, blimey, when was that? Uh, Super Mario 64, I think, was was that the first uh, iteration of that? Uh, 1996, so we are 26 years, 27 years later um, than that. But Charles Martinez, um, who was the one uh, who originally voiced the character, um, is stepping back from it. Yes, he's no longer going to be voicing Mario, Luigi, Wario and uh, Waluigi, um, as well as other characters for uh, Nintendo. However, uh, he's not entirely leaving Nintendo. Uh, They have created a new role for him as Mario Ambassador. Uh, Uh, So he'll probably be involved in promoting merchandise, movies, games and... um, yeah, I'm guessing uh, a bit of other interesting stuff for the company. And I, I guess the question is whether, um, you yeah, know, the, the guy's you know, 67 years old now. Um, so hopefully, you know, on his way to, to enjoying a, a little bit of uh, relaxation amongst his ambassadorial duties. Um, I, I guess the question is, you know, will, will Nintendo replace him? Have they got enough stock footage that they can use? Can they get an AI to generate the voice in? Oh, um, controversial. <laughs> and will it sound the same? So uh, that's, the, that's the question. Yes, yes. Uh, moving on to social media and uh, X and Twitch. Uh, one's adding things, one's taking things away. But what? Yes, uh, this, is, this is blocking. Um, so the, the news started off on the, the X, brackets Twitter, side. Um, and this was Elon Musk saying, we've got mute. What's the point in block? We'll get rid of block. Um, <laughs> and a bunch of people saying, no, it's not quite the same thing. And, of course, the, the difference here is that if you're muting someone, you don't get to see their tweets and you don't get to see them mentioning you and they can't direct message you. Um, however, they can still um, see your quote stuff. Tweet, quote tweet you. They can still see your stuff and they can include you in conversations. Now, the, the problem there, okay, you don't see them. The problem there is the, the one that they might be talking about you that your followers are seeing and you can't react, you can't respond, you can't defend yourself uh, yep. because it's just invisible. Whereas blocking always stopped you from being able to be mentioned as well as to some relatively low-level degree, um, stop them being able to, to read your uh, your content. There was always a bit of a workaround in that if you didn't have a protected profile, you could just look at uh, look at it as an unlogged-in user and, and see stuff that way. Um, I I don't know. I I understand why having both might be unwelcome. <laughs> 
But at the same time, it feels like the people that are saying, hey, hey, we'll just get rid of this, are not necessarily the people for whom block is a really important safety feature. And they're probably not listening to as many of those voices as they probably should be. It might be. Let's see how long it lasts if uh, everyone that Elon has blocked is now no longer blocked because there's no block if that upsets him. Because yeah, if that upsets, upsets I, I him, block will come back quite quickly. I, I can't help but feel that, that maybe maybe he needs to consider people who are in a slightly different position to himself, um, <laughs> which is not necessarily one of his greatest strengths. Um, t- Twitch, meanwhile, going in the opposite direction, as you say. Uh, yeah, Twitch have added the ability to block, uh, which is something that, uh, yeah, as you said, uh, Twitter, uh, Twitter taking away. Um, so it'll uh, allow you to block in specific individuals from viewing your stream. You've been able to block chat, but this will allow you to actually block viewers from watching your stream specifically. And this presumably for, is for all the same reasons we just talked about. It's Stalkers. The, yeah, exactly. It's that you don't... It's not going to be perfect because somebody can subscribe, sign up to a new account, but at least it ca- cuts out that that casual level of people who just want to view your content in order to create abusive responses to it, even if you don't see those directly. Yes. Um, uh, and sadly, that is a very real problem in just about ent- any internet-based service. It's yeah, it's an ongoing issue, isn't it? Um, Right, sticking with social media, Threads, uh, that meta competitor for Twitter. um, Yep, this is Instagram (laughs) without the pictures, or with fewer pictures. Um, (laughs) Originally got launched as a mobile-only app, um, so you had to have an Instagram account, that's still true. Um, But you couldn't look at it on a desktop PC or anything like that, you had to have the Threads app installed. Um, That's no longer the case, You, you now, or soon, will be able to uh, to have uh, have a web interface. Yes, it's apparently an internal test inside the organisation, so I suppose that's step one, get it working internally and make sure all the bugs are ironed out before you release it to the general public, uh, but uh, apparently very soon. Yep. We'll, uh, we'll, the, the other feature, of course, that Threads added fairly quickly after their launch was the ability to just show the feed of people that you're following uh, as opposed to a purely algorithmic uh, what they think you want to see uh, feed. So it does seem to be gaining these features. I've not seen any recent um, um, sort of user engagement stats. They had an incredibly successful launch, way more successful than they were expecting. It seems to have sort of disappeared out of the out of the spotlight a bit since. I don't know if that's because everyone's gone there already. Um, I, I've not heard so much about it in the last couple of weeks, certainly. Uh, apparently about 120 million users uh, at the moment. Yeah, certainly lots of, lots of sign-ups. I guess it'll be interesting to see whether they can keep that traction. Clearly, the web-based version is going to be uh, one of the ways they're hoping to do that. Yes, yes. Uh, in less pleasant uh, news, uh, in Somalia... Um, there has been uh, uh, threats to uh, to shut down access to TikTok, Telegram, and other things. So this is the uh, the the government um, saying they're concerned that the platforms can spread extremist content, nude images, and other material seen as offensive to Somali culture and Islam. Um, Somalia, of course, not the first to do this, um, and there, there's been a run of country uh, countries blocking. 
various social media platforms that they see as uh, not in line with their uh, local laws and customs. Um, and I guess for the for the companies in question, it's it's you know it's a decision of do they want to serve that market or and are they willing to make changes to their service and and the types of content considered acceptable in order to uh, to do that. Um, this decision taking place uh, taking effect so far uh, on uh, 24th of August. Yes, yes, uh, not a particularly safe country for lots of people. Um, moving on into the worlds of new device rumours, so iPhones and Google Pixels. First of all, the iPhone, of course, we are probably only a few weeks away from the launch of the iPhone 15, so the rumour mill is at full power at the moment. Of course. Of course, uh, USB-C being the biggie that everyone is expecting. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> because of Finally. Uh, well, the world, um, but Europe specifically uh, whacking Apple with the big USB-C stick. Um, but I think everyone just recognises that it's one connector, please, for everything. Yep. And Apple already USB-C on MacBooks and iPads. And the iPads, yeah. Yes. Uh, the other one is, interestingly, possibly up to 35 watt fast charging, which is very quick for a phone. Uh, Indeed, and that's uh, that's certainly faster than the uh, the the Google Pixel devices. Mostly, um, more on that in a second. But yes, it, it's also faster than the current twenty watts that the Lightning connector uh, allows them to deliver. So um, that could be a bit of a winner. It'll be interesting to see whether they include a uh, a charger with the iPhone fifteen. They they famously Ooh. stopped doing that. Uh, Probably a not of generations ago. because it scored them points with with the EU on not including chargers. Oh, uh, no doubt, of, of e waste. But with the change in charging standard, um, I suspect... Uh, it mean, means you'll be able to buy an official Apple USB-C charger for lots of money. Sure, um, but at the same time, um, you know, it, I'm guessing they're doing this 35-watt charging via USB-PD power delivery. Yeah. Um, and a lot of the existing chargers out there aren't going to be... Uh, yeah. Existing Apple chargers aren't going to support that uh, uh, unless they do something rather clever. Possibly um, for the MacBooks and so on. Yes, yeah, th those will be fine. But if people have got previous iPhone chargers, then just plugging a new cable in aren't necessarily yeah. going to deliver the uh, the fastest charge performance. So I I do wonder. You but you then, might be right. It might just but be then we, get slow charging and then an adapter. We, we've you. we've seen that with the likes of Samsung who don't ship a a, a charging brick with their new Galaxy phones. No, nor and Google. If, if you have an older charger, you plug it in, it'll charge. You're not going to get the, the, the ultra-fast or the super-fast charging popping up. It'll just say charging um, and possibly in a, a message saying, buy another charger. Um, so, yes, I don't think it, they'd be unique in not including a charger. Yep. Um, uh, Google Pixel 8, which we mentioned, uh, also uh, due out... Well, we, we say due out soon. Um, May is sort of the time frame for Google's devices. Um, is it? Yes, uh, they, they've no, still got the sorry, still got the new the new label next to the Pixel Seven A uh, yes. on the website. So, yeah, it's they're still considering that one new, and I suspect that the Pixel Eight will probably be a couple of months away at least. Uh, I think October is is the rough time frame. Improvements in camera being the main thing, hardware as well as software. Yep, nice. 
Um, I suspect more or less. Uh, I guess the interesting one will be whether there's going to be a Pixel 8a. These tend to be the, the slightly cheaper Google devices, um, slightly smaller screens than than the sort of the regular Pixel 7 or 8 or whatever. And then you've got the big one, which is the uh, the, the Pro range. So Google seems to be settled a Settling year since sort of three the way. Pixel Watch came out, so we could be seeing a Watch 2 as well. Yeah, interesting. Uh, lots uh, lots to watch out for over the coming uh, weeks and months on there. Uh, next up, we're going to be talking about GoPro and other action cameras. Cambridge 105 Radio. Weekends on Cambridge 105 Radio. Flavour explores the food scene in the city in South Cambridgeshire, speaking to the chefs who've made Cambridge their home. I'm just very passionate about oysters. I love eating oysters. And yeah, I suppose if it was something that I found that there was something to explore. The food trucks, the market stall holders, and those delivering fresh food to your door. It's like coal rabbi, we used to have to give it away because no one would touch it until they got to try it and use it, and then, and then they came back and had it more. Flavour, this Saturday at midday, online and on Cambridge 105 Radio. New USA Chicken is now open on Milton Road with delicious fried chicken, tasty pizzas and mouth-watering doner kebabs. All freshly cooked on the premises. We're open midday to 10pm, Monday to Saturday and 3 to 10pm on Sunday. And we'll soon be offering a delivery service across Cambridge. Find us at 22 Milton Road near Mitcham's Corner and keep an eye out for us on social media. The annual Bridge the Gap Walk returns to Cambridge on Sunday, September the 10th. This family-friendly, leisurely stroll through the grounds of some of Cambridge's finest colleges is in aid of two Cambridge charities. Arthur Rank Hospice Charity and Romsey Mill. We have a brand new route this year, visiting places that haven't featured in Bridge the Gap before. The Society of Cambridge Tourist Guides will be on hand to talk about the history of the colleges and their grounds. The walk starts and ends on Parker's Peace, where there'll be food, drink and entertainment for everyone. Registration is easy. Just visit arhc.org.uk slash btg. Or look out for the QR code on Bridge the Gap posters and flyers displayed across Cambridge. The 2023 Bridge the Gap Walk, supported by Cambridge 105 Radio. The Gadget Guide on Cambridge 105 Radio. You're listening to The Gadget Guide with Rob and Lawrence, and it's time to talk about GoPros and uh, other such action cameras. And GoPro really was the one that started it all back in 2002. 2002, Nick Woodman was surfing in Australia on holiday and found he couldn't get a cheap enough camera to be able to capture shots surfing. Yes, you could buy very expensive cameras, and you needed a professional to drive them. Um, which is why he came up with the name GoPro, you know, because surfers wanted to go pro with their surfing yeah, and photos, good, yeah. um, and wanted the hero shot, hence the first cameras were the heroes. Um, his first cameras, I mean, he started the company in 2002, um, selling um, surfing knickknacks like uh, shell necklaces and so on, and getting money from his parents yeah. and so on. Proper, proper startup fundraising. Yeah. Um, some VC capital as well. But they launched their first camera in 2005, which used 35 millimeter film. Wow, blimey. Yep, it was a film camera, but it was waterproof and you could take it surfing. You know, uh, it it accomplished the, all of the needs. That that was the key bit, wasn't it? Because although thinking back to sort of 2003, thereabouts, we had digital cameras. They were very much the, the, the sort of the large 
clunky, expensive, and yep. delicate. Yes. Uh, the, the originals, yeah, including the likes of the Sony Mavica, which took, do you remember those three and a half inch floppy disks? Yep. Um, you know, that was not something that was going to tolerate being thrown around on a surfboard <laughs> in seawater. No. Um, yeah, the, the, the digital technology existed, but it was nowhere near rugged enough. Um, yeah. It took until 2006 with the first digital hero, um, which had 32 megs of uh, internal, you know, no such, no memory cards there, uh, far too big. Um, 10 seconds of video, that was what you got. 640 by 480, 10 seconds of video is what it could record. But it could get that hero shot, which was all that they were really aiming for. Um, 2014, Hero 3 came out that had 4K video. You know, it was, it was record-breaking yes, in something that size because suddenly TV... Um, content producers could buy a cheap camera literally glue it to the side of a car driving down uh, a rally track and capture footage that they could never capture before because a the camera manufacturers would say our camera's not going to survive that and b yep. uh, we're it going to charge you a lot of money for your camera pounds, yeah, <laughs> yeah. Uh, so, i know. think it was about 2012 i think i got the hero 2 as my yep. first uh, first gopro and yes that that was sort of full hd yeah and I remember at the time it was amazing, absolutely amazing the shots you could get with something so small and waterproof. Yes. As long as you had decent bright sunlight. Yes. And of course, for the original, you know, target market surfers tend to go out bright in bright sunlight. sunshine. <laughs> uh, hello, Australia. <laughs> yes. um, you know, that, that was perfect. But at that point, it wasn't really suitable as a sort of general purpose indoor camera in particular, and certainly not a nighttime camera. Yeah. That improved as the range developed, didn't it? Yeah, through the Hero 6s, 7s, 8s and 9s, we've had improved stabilisation. We've had 4K 60 frame a second video. We've had live streaming to Facebook and YouTube added. Uh, their latest Hyper Smooth 2. Uh, they brought back user-replaceable lenses after losing them for a bit. And also front-facing screens, so you've got effectively the front selfie camera. Um, in July... Uh, 2018 GoPro announced that they had sold at that point 30 million hero cameras since they started. Wow. Yeah. yeah. Uh, and I guess, you know, for, from anyone who hasn't used one of these devices of, of any kind, you know, not necessarily GoPros, but, but similar uh, things, you know, what they do offer over just using a mobile phone, because of course, in parallel with this, we've seen this huge and, and wonderful advance in, in mobile phone cameras and the ability for them to record video is the ability to shove it somewhere else. It, yes. You, know, you you have your mobile phone on you. That's great for selfies. That's great for taking a photo as, as you would with a normal camera. Um, but what you can't do is is plonk it, you know, mount it on top of your head on a bike helmet or a... Uh, or on a your handlebars, or a, safely. A handlebars or, you know, all of that sort of um, thing. And so the ability to have this kind of separate uh, camera that you can put somewhere else, or even multiple ones of them, in more recent times, the ability to control that, view it, you know, get, use a digital viewfinder on your mobile phone so you can set up the shot and then get the, you know, the reassurance that it's uh, it's going has has basically enabled a whole bunch of of YouTube, hasn't it? It's, that just yes, wouldn't be possible as, without them. As I said, a lot of TV content producers uh, fell in love with the whole GoPro concept and their cameras and have used them for producing. Um, 
hundreds of hours of content because you can literally stick this on the side of a, a fast-moving vehicle and get that shot that you'd never get. Yes, okay, we've got drones flying around doing those helicopter yep. shots that you, you don't need to rent a helicopter anymore for, but uh, I know that Top Gear and then the spin-offs, spin-offs, the Grand Tour and so on, used a lot of GoPros stuck to cars while the guys were actually filming as their action cameras to film. I think the average... Um, uh, Grand Tour shoot was over a couple of dozen GoPros on the because, shoot, yeah. and only half of them were expected to come back alive. <laughs> and and this, yeah, this, this is something that that that's changed as well as the the size and the and the ruggedness is is the price. Um, so if we bring if we come right up to date with GoPro's current offering, Hero um, Eleven, that's the Hero Eleven, um, the the black version of that retails for about four hundred pounds. Uh, throw in another fifty quid for some accessories if you uh, if you want to, um, and that well yeah is is not exactly the cheapest camera on the market, and we'll come to some other options for that in uh, uh, in a few minutes' time. Um, Four hundred pound for a very high quality rugged camera, broadcast grade, proven by broadcasters using it. Yeah, is is quite amazing, um, and then the you know the flexibility that you get from that is uh, is very impressive. So. Um, you know, it's it's really just continued to get kind of more and more uh, flexible and effectively staying at a, a similar price point throughout. I think the uh, uh, the price has gone up somewhat with uh, inflation and so on. Um, yes. But unlike mobile phones, which have kind of topped the four-figure mark, um, GoPros and, and other action cameras staying at a slightly more accessible uh, price point. So, certainly if you are after capturing video or stills of your adventures out there in the world doing things, you're going to get a better result with an action camera than your phone because you're going to be willing to put it in those places where it might get wet, it might fall over, it, it might, might get muddy, yeah. get muddy, and you pick it up, you rinse it off, and you carry on which yeah, your phone doesn't tend to like those sort of things. No, indeed. So looking, uh, looking ahead to the, the next evolution for, for the GoPro range, uh, the Hero 12 um, should be, we think, uh, coming out within the next month or so. Uh, yep. And, well, it looks at first glance very similar to the Hero <laughs> 11. <laughs> There's a surprise. It's it's not a major upgrade between the 11 and 12. If you're looking to buy a GoPro at the moment, we'd probably say wait till the 12 ships. The 11s will all drop in price. Yep. <laughs> and buy an 11 because all you're going to get with the 12 over the 11 probably, based on the rumour mill at the moment, maybe the new version of Hypersmooth, version yep, 6. So, so you know, smoother, this is the thing that tries to stabilise your video because, yep. of course, where do you normally put a GoPro when it's on something that's moving? And yep. you, know, you, you want to get the idea of motion, but at the same time, you don't want it to be juddering all over the place. Um, thankfully, we've got some really good technology uh, that sorts all of that out in software where previously it involved moving lumps of glass around much easier to just do that in software nowadays. Yes. Uh, supposedly a slightly um, better battery with an additional 70-odd minutes of runtime on filming. That nice. might excite some people more. Um, but, yeah, all the basics, very much the same as the Hero 11. Price tag looking to be probably about the same, maybe about 50 quid more. 
yeah, uh, fourth on nine euros seem, uh, seems to be the uh, the rumour, and I think that probably does come out at uh, around about uh, £400, uh, £383 pounds sterling. So, yes, we call it £400. Pounds. That's going to be £400. <laughs> I'm, um, I'm guessing GoPro will ship in at the current price of the, uh, the 12 in at the current price of the 11. The 11 will go down in price until yep. they run out of stock. Yep. So how, they, how they've normally done it with their previous versions. Yep. So, otherwise, yep. More of more of the same gentle incre uh, incremental uh, increase in quality. Uh, that's GoPro. They were the ones that defined the market. Uh, coming up next, we're going to be talking about some alternative action cameras. Um, Insta360 getting a lot of attention. Yes, and we're talking about cameras, uh, specifically action cameras. So yep. certainly in the place where you want your pictures to come away, you want it to come alive in video, really. I, indeed so. Uh, I don't think they had uh, GoPros back in uh, the days of fame. <laughs> no. <laughs> no. And so um, we move on to the Insta360. Now, this is this is a slightly different take on action cameras. Uh, as the name suggests, it's a 360-degree camera. Now, I, the, the the sort of the, the mathematician in me says, hang on, so it's not 360 degrees. It's, it's all around. It's a sphere. It's, it's so there are 360 cameras, but they also yep. do to non-360 ones as well. So they yep. have got direct competitors, and their Go 3 is probably the uh, easiest direct competitor to the GoPro, but cheeky calling it the Insta360 Go 3. Yes. Um, but uh, a couple of interesting changes on how it works in that you can detach the camera from the main body and use it sort of split away for a little bit. It's got less battery in that, but it's the main body sort of adds more battery. Which is and, quite and the, interesting. This so. sort of fixes the, the the viewfinder thing that GoPro tends to do by saying we'll install the app on your mobile. Um, Insta insta uh, Insta instead sort of say actually they will will give you the screen and you can you can separate the two. For, for me though the the really interesting ones are the the sort of all round cameras. So these are the Sp things like sphere the, cameras. Yes. Yeah. The the Insta three sixty X three is their current offering. And this is the return of the selfie stick. Uh, do you remember those from a few yeah. years back? Um, the idea is that you can shove the camera on the end of a selfie stick, or indeed mount it any other way, um, and it will take an all-round view around the whole sphere, um, record the whole lot, and then you can choose which way to point it after the fact. So yes. you, you take it uh, waterproof and everything like that, so you take it in the swimming pool with you, or take it on surfboard or skiing or skiing, what have you. Yeah. Um, and uh, you you do your your ski jump, and then you get back home, and you download the content, and then you say, right, I want it to do a roll now, or I want it to point at the sky now, or I want it to point at the ground now. And you can do all of that afterwards. You don't have to choose which way to point the camera while you're filming. Frankly, you should be concentrating on landing the right way up. Um, yes. And as well as giving you that facility, it also gives the ability to remove the selfie stick or remove it the mouse. It does, that, it does that dynamically in the camera while it's yeah. filming. And it does a remarkably good job of it. it. It means you get a slightly weird video sometimes where you get someone sort of holding their hand out. <laughs> With nothing sort of in Seemingly hand, holding yes. nothing. Um, and of course, they're holding the stick that the camera's mounted on. Um, but the, the the removal is the, the the sort of mount removal is incredibly good, and it effectively gives you a drone type shot without the drone. Yes. And yes. To to me, that that image processing is is quite phenomenal, um, uh, and the creativity it allows is is quite amazing. 
Uh, interesting 8K shooting, uh, about £459, uh, call it £460, um, various packs available depending on how you want to use it. Uh, for example, there's a dive kit, adds yep. a waterproof case, a motorcycle kit, adds the right mounts to mount safely on a motorcycle. Um, couple the, of I think the bullet options. Zone, bullet zone kit is what they, uh, what they call their selfie stick. Um, plus some, some other stuff that, that rotates it around. Uh, yeah, all in all, you're looking somewhere around the kind of £500 plus or minus 50 yeah. quid mark. So for look at Insta360.com yeah. for an interesting range of products, a lot more than just action cameras uh, yes, from and Insta. I, I think it's, it's interesting as something that's clearly inspired by GoPro, but also clearly different. Um, yes. unlike a lot of companies which have just done their version. Uh, and with that, I'm going to say over to DJI, who have yes. basically uh, just done a GoPro. Well, they've just done a GoPro, but of course DJI are known for the drone camera flying... Oh, basically, it's a flying camera, is what most yep. drones are. Um, but they've got a whole series of action cameras. So they've got their standard action cameras, which you know is what we've been talking about. Um, but they've also got a couple of other interesting little cameras. And their little magnetic camera is quite cute, quite clever, and very much like Insta's Go 3 in that you can effectively wear it like a pendant around your neck, filming your world as you are going about you know, on a tour or, or visiting somewhere. So it's it's quite interesting. Uh, DJI, worth having a look at and checking out their camera options as well. Besides cameras, we've already said you've probably got one of the best cameras always with you, and that's your phone. Uh, DJI do a bunch of very cool stabilizers for mobile phones, and that's the Osmo Mobiles, uh, which effectively gives you a gimbal to make your mobile phone stable if you're using it as a camera. Yep, so this is something, it looks like a fancy handle, but as you move around, it's going to smooth out and do the opposite of whatever movements you do. So it always keeps your camera upright and facing the same direction whilst moving when you want to. So it, it removes all the so unintentional movements and keeps the, the intended ones. A £135 upgrade for your mobile phone is a lot cheaper than a 500 quid action camera, and it's another thought on the way to do outdoor video. Yeah, very good. That's all we've got time for on this week's Gadget Guide. We'll be back in a couple of weeks' time looking at all the latest in techno uh, technology world. The Gadget Guide on Cambridge 105 Radio.